This week could be the perfect storm for the stock market. We are watching the Fed, we're watching earnings and the consumer. The Fed is going to break their silence in a press conference tomorrow. The market is expecting a quarter point bump as Papa Powell's going to uh, probably keep saying he's going to raise rates until he gets the job done. But we're also expecting that this time he's going to raise, next time he's going to raise, then maybe pause. Anything other than that could be huge for the markets. We know that earnings move markets. This week's going to hear from a group that I'm calling the AAA stock because Fang is dead. My AAA stocks, Amazon, Apple and Alphabet, they are all reporting on Thursday. We're going to find out if analysts have any idea how these companies are doing. We saw Tesla report better than expected last week, which puts the stock up another 20%. And like Tesla, my three AAA stocks have been up big year to date after a disastrous 2022. But we also are keeping an eye on the U.S. consumer, which has been more resilient than expected. Until now, with inflation still on the rise, we are starting to see consumer spending slow down, which can bring earnings down, which can lead to more layoffs and can drive up that unemployment rate. But still, the unemployment rate not as high as the Fed would like to see. Today on Dumb Money, how we are playing these markets and all of these factors that have investors wondering if we've seen the bottom or if there's more pain ahead. You're listening to the Dumb Money Live podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey there, Dave here along with Chris and Jordan. We are Dumb Money. Welcome to Dumb Money Live. There is an ice storm in Dallas right now. It is canceling tons of flights at DFW. So far, the three of us still have power and internet. So if you appreciate the dedication of us braving the storm this morning and commuting all the way to our home studios to flip on some cameras, do take a second and uh, smash the like button for the YouTube algorithm. Chris, Jordan... Where to begin? Where to begin? The uh, the Fed tomorrow, the AAA stocks the next day, the uh, consumer spending slowdown. Take your pick. I think we got to start with Jordan. I have a pretty strong opinion, but I want to hear Jordan's macro take on the Fed and consumer spending specifically. Because I've been thinking about this much every entity, day. Right? So I think, the yeah, I mean, if the Fed, I think we know what's going to happen. Do they raise a quarter or 50 basis points? I don't know. I don't think they get past 50 to 75 more from where we're currently at. We're, I think we're closer to the end of the hikes than we are to the beginning, obviously. Now the question is how long can they hold them high? Are they going to hold them through the end of the year? Do they start cutting in the fourth quarter? I don't think we can know that. I don't think anybody's going to know that for another few months. So I don't think that the Fed is a huge factor here. Unless they say, unless in their commentary they say something um, pretty... Hawkish. I'll be listening I, I closely would, to the commentary to see if we can get any kind of a hint on what to see going forward. Because we yeah. do, and I think if it's 50, that's going to be a shock. I think it's going to be 25. We're going to see 25 the next time. Yeah. There's inflation has started to do that slow drop off, still increasing, but at a lower rate. So I think that this is the, this is the kind of expectation. And if we see anything, that's the news. Yeah, I think that's the non-event. I think from the three things that we put in our channel description or the show description it's earnings and it's the consumer and i think those are i think those are the two things we have to keep an eye on so i want to get your gauge on the consumer because i've had this talk with so many people it's fascinating i i own a restaurant you're involved with a bar dave and i think both of our places 
have been seeing record numbers every week over week for the past couple months. And that's not just us. And that's a number of places that I'm aware of. So it's, and I spoke to a, a friend who is down in Austin. Now, granted, Dallas and Austin are kind of anomalies of cities in the U.S. right now. Like we're just benefiting from so much relocation and we're generally doing better than the rest of the country, I think, economically. But he's, he couldn't even get a reservation in Austin. And same thing. I, I can't get a reservation for a restaurant in Dallas two weeks like down the road. It's really weird how we're seeing this recessionary environment, everybody supposedly pulling back on the purse strings, yet are we just not really in a representative place or involved with representative businesses to, to gauge what's going on? Because you're seeing hit or miss. Some places are doing really well still with the consumer. Is this like the last, is it like before it gets really bad, people are just like, screw it, I'm going to have some fun? I mean that like, some people are doing card. really well and some people are doing really poorly. Like You have layoffs, you've got the... Look, the people that are going to your restaurant, Chris, are probably not representative of 70% of people in the United States that are actually getting squeezed really hard still by food prices, by energy prices. I don't think we have really the big energy price issue here in Texas that they have for, say, in California or some of the other states. I still think the consumer is getting squeezed, especially not at the top end. I just saw a gas price in L.A. that was on a text chain with a bunch of L.A guys i think it was like seven over seven dollars and 30 cents and granted it was not normal for la i think la is four to five bucks but we right up until this week in dallas we were a tad below three dollars we just went above three bucks a gallon so yeah. you're right jordan it's we're just in a different place different also, place look at companies like tesla cutting prices right so they cut the prices of their cars something like 20 percent for the x and the y they bumped the y back up a little bit but then they just came out with another incentive for trade-ins that they would have well do you know what it is dave it's some free charging hours i don't know what it is but i do know that price cut was trying to get their cars right at the threshold because they were overpriced for the government incentive, the yeah. tax credit that is offered for a limited time. And so they're, they basically lowered the price and then their demand is now twice their production capacity. It's a great place to be if you're Tesla, <laughs> which is, I think, why the stock jumped up after that they said that on the earnings call. But, but guys, is it fair to say that one the majority of layoffs have happened in the last two to three weeks. A lot of the layoffs that have happened recently have come with pretty meaningful severance packages. So all the hurt that might or might not come is still ahead of us. It's not like anyone's hurting yet, but it's still on the horizon. And a lot of these comments, like I'm seeing a comment right now about currently traveling in Asia and there's tourists everywhere, never seen it this busy. That's likely just a remnant of people not traveling for a while, and they do have to book travel in advance, and they probably didn't book that travel in the last week. It was probably booked a month ago, two months ago, three months ago, maybe before they got laid off or things weren't as bad. So I think- yeah, I don't know about all of Asia. It depends on where, probably. China, for instance, reopening- They've been shut down um, And they're stimulating, and so China's actually- probably in a growth mode, right? At least compared to what's going on in the United States. I'm just saying, guys, I don't think we've seen what the consumer pain might look like. I don't think we'll know that for another couple of months. So I just think that everyone saw the consumer still cocaine, okay the stuff that I'm seeing, like that's based on yesterday's information. There have been a lot of layoffs. Guys, I know a lot of people, even here in Dallas, a lot of people that have been laid off 
personally. Yeah. Like a decent chunk of my personal network has been laid off in the last two to three weeks. Granted, they have severance packages. I saw one person out at my restaurant a couple days ago. So it's not like they're not going out because they got laid off. They're, everyone's assuming that they'll be able to get another job. Maybe the severance is actually a net positive in the short run. That's something you got to think about, right? In the short run, if someone has confidence that they can get another job, the severance might actually be a net positive, a stimulative, yeah. right? Yeah, essentially, they're double dipping at that point. Yes. So we've seen we, the headlines are all about the tech layoffs. We've seen Salesforce. We've seen IBM. We've seen all of the tech, but it's also creeping into other sectors. And the thing is, though, unemployment claims overall are still low. And there's still millions of jobs open. So it's like we're in this like weird transitional time that... Yeah. Yes, layoffs are happening, but there are still more jobs out there. It's just a shifting of where the where they're hiring versus where they're laying off. But do people at some point, because they've been out of a job for a few weeks now or a month or more in the next coming over the next month, at some point, do they start to get a little more conservative? With, I know I'm getting more conservative with my spending constantly. And like at some point, do people in mass start to get more conservative what they're spending? I think the answer to that question has to be yes. I think unless we see something dramatic happen, I think it probably gets worse, not better over the next couple of months. And to me, if I look at the earnings part of our subject line, that consumer spending, excuse me, consumer spending has to get worse, I would imagine, over the next month or two, which is going to be a net negative. Let's talk about earnings because that doesn't necessarily mean that earnings are going to be bad because I think what we've seen a lot, and this is how investors think, the layoffs, the tightening, companies finally smarting, yes. getting smart after years of excess spending <clears throat> might actually start to show, especially with supply chain kind of easing up some, right? They might actually start to show better earnings, even with a consumer slowdown. Guys, th I know this is a lot of conflictive information here. The but thing is, I mean, look, their top, what's going on is that they know that their top line is going to be coming down. And so they're trying to either maintain or grow their EPS. And is that going to work or is it not going to work? Who knows? Yeah, I will say this. Wage inflation is re really tough on a lot of these companies. And I, that would be my one biggest concern that I think people are not paying close enough attention to. North American Hemp says McDonald's 20 bucks an hour right now. I'm not sure if, I, if that's true or not, but I will tell you that in my own restaurant, it's creeping up. Everything has been creeping up. So wage inflation, I think, could be the big kind of black mark on certain companies, especially companies that have, they're very employee centric, right? They're really reliant on tons and tons of employees. And they, for some reason, whatever reason, they're not able to handle, they're not able to have the layoffs that some of these other companies have. So I don't know that McDonald's, right? And they had earnings today, I thought, but I don't know that companies like McDonald's can lay off employees. Like they're having like excess employees. Yeah. I mean, they're working on, did you see there was a concept McDonald's store that was zero employees? I thought it was all automated. No, long-term. Absolutely. I, we know it's going in that direction, right? We know it's all going to robotics, but like right now, this quarter, I'm not sure if they're able, oh, look, McDonald's did drop this week. I'm just not sure they're able to do that much about their employee issue. Now that said, I wasn't I was at a Pizza Hut last night in the ice storm picking up pizza, and they were struggling with one person in the kitchen. So I guess they could get thinner in certain I haven't cases. had Pizza Hut in 12 years. 
All right, so here's the deal. If you eat it within 60 seconds of getting it at the actual Pizza Hut, which is what I did, it's fine. If you take it home, it's disgusting. <laughs> so wait, you went to a pizza place, ate pizza, and then took the rest home to the family? I went to, first, I went to Bubba's clothes. Then I went to Chick-fil-A clothes because the ice storm. Oh. Jimmy John's clothes. And then I went, Pizza Hut was the only place open. I got pizza for all the kids that were staying in my house. But I didn't want nasty Pizza Hut. So I, I ate mine in the little, the little, that one table, I just sat there and ate it. I, yeah, I never know that. I know which location you're talking about. I know didn't know that anyone ever ate in that location. They don't. So is it like I, in a strip mall? What? Is it in a strip mall? Like yeah. Strip yeah. Oh, it's yeah. across from SMU. So listen, I think I am, I know this sounds terrible because everybody just wants an answer. What's the answer? What are you guys doing? I feel the same way that I felt the last three to four months which I guess a little more visibility on the Fed, very little visibility across the board on earnings, even less visibility on consumer spending. I'm just so darn confused these days. I just, in the short <laughs> term, it's really difficult to have any clue what's going to happen on a macro level to companies like the S&P 500 or tech, I think is exceptionally difficult. I think I to not to use that overused term of being a stock picker, but there's this is the most important time to be a true stock picker. You're listening to the Dumb Money Live podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I have no clue what's going to happen in this market in the short but run. Overall, overall, so my thought is I'm bullish, not aggressively bullish. But I think that we already think that 2023 is going to be better than 2022. I think that the all of the Europe is not trending for as hard of a recession. China's coming out of its lockdowns. Is it going to be a hard landing? Is it going to be a soft landing? Is it going to be a worse recession? Nobody really knows, but I feel like we are... We, saw the giant bubble and we saw it go down. I just think that for me, I'd rather be in the market and not net short the market than I think, Chris, you might still be pretty heavily short. I'm not no, no, short no, not, at all not anymore. Not short, Dave, not short. I am hedged. My long portfolio is not fully hedged, but pretty well hedged, mostly hedged. I'm concerned. Someone Amazon. yesterday basically described this as, no one can really decide if we're actually in a recession, but I think that we're in a rolling recession. And this is a, a YouTuber, I think. Basically, different industries are getting hit with the recession at different times, but because they're not all hitting at once, it's not as, like, dire. Okay, fine. I agree with that. But what do you do? I think there's only one thing to do. We're not financial advisors. This is just what we're doing. So please do your homework and make your own decisions. But it gets down to the same thing that, that I've always said. There's no way that I'm not going to be in a company like Lithium America that is developing what will be the assuming that they get approved in the next couple months with their last approval in Nevada, what will be the preeminent lithium mine 
for the next 10 to 15 years in North America. That's a company I have to be in and GM agrees. So GM, anyone's been following dumb money has been following our Lithium America journey. It's been a roller coaster to say the least, but GM just announced today that they were investing $650 million into Lithium America in two tranches. Again, assuming that they do receive the approval, that is not 100% yet, I feel like they probably will, and that will happen in the next couple of months. And GM has also committed to buying 100% lithium that they're going to make, which is a crazy deal. I got to dig in deeper to the economics of this deal, quite honestly. I haven't had time this morning, but we all I knew that was coming. I knew it was just a matter of who and when, not if, some major automotive manufacturer was going to finalize the deal with Lithium America. And sure enough, here we are. It's just GM, okay? So I have to be in companies like that. I have to be in companies like Novo and Eli Lilly that are on the front end of what I firmly believe is a multi-year pharma cycle that we might have never seen anything like in our entire lifetime of these weight loss and diabetes drugs. So I'm in Novo. Novo has earnings, guys, on tomorrow i think tomorrow the first yes and then eli Lilly has earnings on thursday my largest speculative position right now is in novo and then also eli Lilly. now here's yeah. the thing minus you, two you, is there any way to post those screenshots that i sent you that would be awesome if yes you could. i have that ready to go because i really want people to visualize this so these are screenshots of web traffic foot traffic not foot traffic Web traffic, traffic from a source. <laughs> this is web traffic to the three large pharma products made by these two companies. Which one is that, Dave? I can. Really That's Manjaro. That. You Eli can see Manjaro. the website probably didn't exist prior to May, and here in December, January, the, a big mm -hmm. uptick. Um, look the next the one is in if January, I can though, Dave. It. Look at the pops that we're seeing in January. Now, that's yeah, this, kind this is of to be expected because January is the big month when people are thinking about health. But here's the thing. I've said this before. We are seeing a perfect storm of drug capacity increasing, especially at Wagovi. They've had issues with supply chain for a year. Right at the same time that we're in health and dieting month, which is January, right? So it's like the perfect storm. And I'm not really sure the market is really anticipating that degree of a perfect storm. Now, they could only sell what they could make. Supply chain data that some of our community members have been helping us with, with distributors that are distributing these farmers, it appears that they are selling everything that they can manufacture. In fact, we've gotten some information from the supply chain. And again, I really want to thank the Dumb Money community. You know who you are, that they are restricting allocations to pharmacies right now. So pharmacies are actually getting limited allocations of all of these drugs. What that tells me is that they're selling everything they man can manufacture. So the only question I have going into earnings for Novo tomorrow is one, how good of a job have they done ramping up their manufacturing to kind of somewhat attempt to meet demand? And two, to what degree are these new drugs just taking sales from older diabetic drugs that they've been selling for years? I think that's that's an area that's really hard to determine. So those are the things I'm looking for. And then three, yeah. my and, other And just one as term. a refresher, the Wagovi is Novo Nordisk. 
Monjaro is Eli Lilly. Victoza and Saxenda are Novo Nordisk. Ozempic Rebelsis, those are Novo Nordisk. And Trulicity is Eli Lilly. It's and, a confusing grid to keep track of, and I can't pull I was that having a conversation up, but, about but this, this is my this cheat weekend? sheet that you can find um, on uh, Twitter. Yeah. Oh, Jordan, one sec. Before you do, my last concern, because I think it's always important to talk about the risk of going into these earnings trades, yeah. is it's really difficult to assess the market anticipation of this particular earnings report and what people are expecting. These are obviously trading at like record levels, these stocks. What is the market anticipating? Will they sell off even with a great earnings story? It's really almost impossible to assess that because we've never been in this situation, especially with Novo before, where the stock has run this hard, but also the company is doing that well. So like, which which will play out tomorrow? I just don't have an, any idea. But what I'm getting back to is I must own this stock the same way I have to own LAC. I have to own Novo. I just can't be part of this. Even if it pulls back tomorrow, I feel like I have to figure out a way to own more on the pullback. So, okay. I'm so in it tomorrow. how about the other, how about the triple A stocks that are coming out on Thursday? Apple, Amazon, I'm less, Alphabet. I'm less confident about those. I, I still have my Amazon position. It's hedged through my short on the triple Qs. And I think I'm going to place an additional hedge on Amazon with put options against my Are position. You? I think so. Not fully, Dave. I'm not going to I'm not going to fully think Because I'm Amazon is up tw- nearly 25% year to date. Google up 13, Apple up 12, outperforming the SPY, which we but that's we, we know because I'm, they underperform the SPY. So, are they getting back to a more normal the, their new normal or are they overpriced? What are the analysts going to have no clue what they what the what to expect? Dave, think about it every day, and I just don't. I just don't know. I just I, because I don't know, and I look at the data. Like I look at even web traffic data on Amazon. I look at web traffic on AWS, and it seems ridiculous. But it, it, listen, there's enough engineers on AWS visiting that site every day, and it's an insane. It just doesn't look that good right now. At the same time, I have one of my good friends, Patrick, our good friend Patrick is telling us that his Amazon business is doing record numbers every month. So yeah. I'm getting conflicting information. Yeah, so I think it's going to be all about the guide with Amazon. And so what you saw today with UPS is that they had record quarter, right, record growth. But then at the same time, they guided for a pretty weak conclusion to 2023. And so I think you have to balance all that, right? Because do, does the earning matter or does the guide yeah. matter? And that worries me about Amazon right. because they don't tend to say anything too exciting they, they they set the bar low in their future guidance. Even if they had a blowout number, unlike Tesla that beat on earnings like by 12% and then said, oh yeah, and everything's great. I don't ever hear Amazon going, oh, this is such an exciting time for us. It's, oh yeah, no. we kind no, of that will never better, but we have a bunch of headwinds. It's, no, yeah, don't yeah, say so headwinds. Don't do it. Yeah, so he, so you know they're going to say headwinds. They're yes. going to say, because Amazon actually does have insane inflationary cost issues. Remember, when we did the analysis on Amazon this last year, the number one concern was they were in the worst possible place in terms of having to deal with the trucking, having to deal with energy prices skyrocket. This is all on their shoulders, and it makes me nervous as an Amazon investor. Also, I know enough about those earnings calls to know it's all, they're not going to pump the stock. We know that. And also on top of that, Jeff Bezos and his ex-wife 
might sell another huge chunk right after earnings when that window opens up because they're funding mission to Mars or rockets or she wants to donate another 10 billion or 20 billion to charity. And like, those are all headwinds for me as an Amazon investor. So anytime I see Amazon starting to do pretty well going into earnings like I do right now, it makes me want to hedge my position into earnings, yeah. right? Like, I just think there's more. But who, know, who so knows? Just, Man, this is an interesting comment, Stephen Malek. I think Jassy has to announce something positive and has to make his mark. I could see a buyback or something. Okay, that's another take. But it all comes down to the fact that I think it's almost impossible to have any confidence going into Amazon, Google, like these big tech earnings that are coming up, it could be a disaster or maybe they do something with the cost cutting and buybacks to, to prop up their stuff. Who the hell knows? Nobody knows. You just can't have a lot of confidence going into earnings this yeah. week, right? You have to so be I did, I've had a comment on Novo and Eli Lilly, Chris. Nothing too crazy. I was talking to somebody that is actually on... What's the Lily one? The uh, Manjaro? Manjaro. He gets a coupon. Like all of his friends that take it, they've got like a coupon that they get somewhere and they pay 25 bucks a month for this. Okay, well, I, I, and there's I've also the compounding pharmacies that are yeah. making their own... Well, there's that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm talking specifically about the name brand one. But so, I so Jordan, coupons, that, that coupon, the $25 thing, so even literally... Even for Wegovi, you can get coupons. Uh, yeah. It does not. I, I have don't think yet people to are paying this it. full pop price for now. How long does this last? I don't know. No, Jordan, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. Full price for this. No, Jordan, you get a coupon for yeah. five hundred dollars for your first month, and what they say, I think he's he misunderstands. What they say so he's been is on it for ten it months, be, and apparently he's not paid more than like fifty dollars. The, the only no that's not right the only way that's possible jordan is if his insurance listen to me if his okay. insurance is subsidizing the difference i don't think that's the case I don't the think lowest the case. price that you can get that they are getting okay yeah. is about 12 11 or 1200 dollars. so you can get it as low as 25 dollars, and i very rare for people to do that. They happen to be on one of the very rare insurance plans that with the coupon, so that with the coupon and the insurance combined, your cost would be I don't $25. think there's any insurance coverage. And the other thing, he told me it's off-label because he's, he doesn't have diabetes. Yeah, because it is an, Eli Lilly has not been approved for a weight loss right. drug yet. So, so if you're taking a means- name brand... On yeah. label, you're taking it off label if you're taking the name brand Eli version because they're still in in FDA approval phase. Yeah, yeah. Every almost everybody that's actually taking one of the branded drugs here are paying north of a thousand dollars a month. I it's a, almost unheard of that I've seen someone paying under for one of the na- name brand drugs unless. Yes, yeah, so JJ Hawkins a, said there's a twenty five dollar coupon code regardless of in, and so that's not short. That's just so not. I don't that's know not if this true. is like a promotion that they're doing to try to get people it's hooked not, onto it. Not, I'm just it, wondering. It, it, what is the impact going to be for earnings? It's not true. It's just, that's just false. It's Maybe. just false information. Wait, but I've had people tell me this and that all of their friends are using this and that they're not paying more than 
They're not oh, okay. So, so here's the thing: go, go, if you go on TikTok and you type yeah. in Monjuro coupon, okay, you will literally see thousands of people talking about what they're paying, and it's just right there, like real people talking about this, what they're paying, exactly what they're paying. They literally detail out in videos. Yeah, you might find someone that's capable of doing that, but it's very here is on Monjuro's website. You may pay as little as twenty five dollar for a one month or three month prescription. See how the savings card works. But that's yeah, not it, a ten-month prescription. Yeah, it, it, yeah, that seems I've really. I've never heard of anything sure. beyond that. Just the intro yeah. period, but it's exceptionally difficult. Most people are paying more. The bigger concern here are the number of people that are going to compounding pharmacies, which is not a small number. It's right. A yeah. 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 Because you can get the drug for a generic version of the drug for two hundred dollars a month instead of twelve. Yeah, I haven't seen anyone. I saw one on Get Henry. If you go to Get Henry, you can get an off-label. For two hundred a month, I've seen as low as three hundred, five hundred, eight hundred. I've seen in that range from like three hundred to eight hundred. I'll check out the. Yeah, Henry was two hundred. Po- Henry or whatever the whatever that site but, is. But Henry also, was, Jordan, that yeah. might be for a really low dosage. So like that might be for like a point two five, and the yeah, average I didn't, person. I don't. I didn't recognize the dosage. Yeah, it, the dosage that you end up on is more than 10 times that once you get up after a couple months. So it might be like the intro super low dosage, which doesn't do hardly anything. So that's where some of these things get tricky. But I can tell you this, the biggest issue with these drugs is the cost and the vast majority. I'm talking like 95% of people yeah. that are getting the name brand ones are all paying a thousand bucks a month or north, north of that for these things. It's very difficult to get it for less than that. Otherwise, everybody would be doing, everybody would be paying 25 bucks a month and you wouldn't be able to get this drug anywhere because like everybody would be rushing to get them for 25 bucks. I'm wondering if that's why they had such a problem getting the supply out because people are just rushing and trying to pay as little as possible while they still can. Like I said, the coupons that they're offering, I think there's a misunderstanding. And I'd like to see, maybe he has health insurance that brings it all the way down because the only way that I've seen to get it down that low is if your insurance provider subsidizes the difference between their coupon and the $25. And some insurers will pay like a thousand bucks a month for this. So your cost is 25 bucks a month, but without your insurance and most insurance doesn't cover this at all, or if they cover it, it's a very small amount. So almost everybody is paying in that like 11 to $1,300 a month for all of these drugs. That's just what it is. And by the way, there's thousands of people talking about what they're paying across TikTok using these coupons. So I think it'd be real. Your buddy might have some amazing health insurance. I don't know who he works for, but maybe- Again, it's not insurance. It's off-label prescribed. He said he's not using insurance. That's crazy. You're listening to the Dumb Money Live podcast. I wonder if they have a program where X number of people based on income and various other things and what they have qualify for the ultra low and they just end up subsidizing a small number of people. It would make sense if you're having a prescribed for diabetes to have a lower price version available, which is why they're trying to get this weight loss specific version approved so that they can have that be the high price version. But yeah, there are several different, anywhere from 2.5 to 15 milligrams of dosage for Monjaro. And I guess you could, for your diabetes off-label version, get the highest version and get it for $25. But apparently that's a limited time, three-month offer. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's what it shows on the internet, at least when I was looking at it here. So I think, yeah, that's what they're advertising. Yeah, I saw that too, and I looked into it, and I couldn't find hardly anybody that was actually paying that much. Now, people were complaining about it left and right. They're like, oh, this is a scam. It's like they make you think that it's cost this much, but nobody can actually get it. So yeah. there's, some, there's something there as to maybe some people, maybe he was early, I don't know, maybe he got- Yeah, language like you may pay as little, it makes me think that you're probably gonna pay more. Just that he told me that he is using it at that rate and that he's got several other of his friends that are using it at that rate, kind of raised my concern. Interesting. It'll be very um, interesting. I think it'll be interesting to see if Novo on their earnings call, which is what, is it tomorrow? If they- talk about the pricing, if they talk about the discounting, if they talk about the impact on that versus their supply chain versus the ability to actually even fill the prescriptions. I'm I the, so Nordisk is the I'm not in Lily, I'm in Nordisk. And that's the one that I'm thinking just because they have the products currently for on label weight loss. That's where I'm most excited about D the investment. Dave, I think I, so the reason to be in Italy as well, and the reason why I'm in Italy is Manjuro, people are just taking what they want for any reason that they want. Like most, it seems like most of the people on Manjuro are just on it for weight loss and they just don't care. And it's, they're get these doctors between the internet doctors right now, we talked about this, the prescribing pharmacies, like anybody can basically get anything they want. It's just so easy that the, they're just, they're going on TikTok. They're finding everyone's like, oh, Manjuro, Manjuro works slightly better, right? So everybody wants the best. They have another one coming out that works even better. So that's why Eli Lilly technically right now is on the in the long term might end up having the number one solution here. Although Nordisk does have their version of like the 2.0 of this drug that will be just as good, if not even a little better than theirs. It comes out after their next wave of drugs over the next two years. So. I just want to be in both of them. It's really difficult to determine which one's going to do better, which one can manufacture more, which one can get more of their drug into the hands of more people. I just think at this point, there's such a supply shortage that people will take whatever they can get. I am super concerned about the compounding pharmacies, though, and I don't know if they're going to discuss that on tomorrow's call because, guys, I don't know the percentage of people that are using this off of compounding pharmacies, but I actually think now it could be double digits or Three. higher. If you, if you add, if you just take the two factors, this is a super expensive drug that you can get for way less if you just buy it a different way. And it's just readily available. Like there's supply chain issues with the real thing. And there's less of a supply chain issue if you go to a compounding pharmacy. Every med spa in every corner shopping mall in America and how many med spas are, there's med, there's med spas everywhere. Like yeah. they, they used to be doing Botox injections and now they're prescribing diabetes drugs. Like it's the weirdest thing in the world or fulfilling. I don't want to say prescribing, they're, you know, handling and fulfilling the prescription, right? That you probably got from an internet doctor. So it's the game has changed and this, we've never seen this before in pharma. I don't know how big of a negative impact that will be long-term for them or how they fight that in court. I just don't understand how they're gonna deal with that. Or does their drug get cheap enough to where it doesn't really matter at some point? Maybe the way that it works is ins once insurance companies get involved, Maybe the insurance companies ultimately won't accept the compounding pharmacy. I don't know. Maybe they will. Maybe they will only accept the actual name brand drugs because maybe the insurance companies don't want to get in trouble for using something that's not that's supposedly patented by Nordis. For now, I don't care. I'm in the stock. 
I'm looking forward to earnings tomorrow. Just, just for the record, in 23 states and D.C., nurse practitioners have full prescriptive authority and can prescribe medicine on their own. So that's where these med spas can actually, in 23 states, they can do the prescription and fulfillment right in-house, right alongside the Botox injector. And they're making so much money. It's wild. Like prices are, like we are saying, they're charging a few hundred bucks to $800 a month. And they're getting thousands of people through these med spas. And if they're on a subscription business, have they ever had, can we invest in like these med spas? Because has there well, that's ever- looking. There I are thought they were su- private. Public, they're just they're private. publicly traded supply companies for med spas. I'm looking for a publicly traded chat down in the comments if you know of a public <laughs> med spa company. Where it has a big footprint you never know. in 23 states. You never know. It, the only reason why I say that is if you think about a med spa, it's really like service oriented. Like you go in, you get like Botox injections, you get there's work. They have all that like the machinery and they do stuff to you. But this is just something really quick every month. Huge money. Five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars a month is what they're charging. And Wait, how much? Henry was 200 bucks. Like I said, Jordan, the people that I'm speaking to that are going to med spas in the DFW area are all Mm -hmm. paying, at the very lowest I've heard was 300. Most people are paying five to 600 and upwards of eight to 900 dollars a month. And I'm talking to a lot of people that are doing this. So I don't know of anyone that's getting it at 200 dollars. And again, it might be the type of thing, Jordan, where it's like the lowest dose, like 0.25 or something like that. And so it just, I don't know what they're doing, but it's not that easy just to get $200 a month or otherwise everybody would be doing it. And I'll tell you this, this is, these are not lazy people that are like, these people are doing deep research. There's forums where people are discussing how to shave a little bit money off your prescription. And they look at every single provider, like every single way to get it, all the coupons. And it's different for everyone based on what state you're in. And they're comparing like, you can use this here or that there. Like they're not they're serious about saving money, and the, I haven't really seen a lot of people getting this for twenty-five a month or even two hundred a month. So there, there's some disconnect there, but I'll look into it. ChatGPT gave me one that actually is not. Uh, ChatGPT just made up information and gave it to me because <laughs> that is not a real stock. <laughs> it's what it does. <laughs> just, that, that this this is my new way of this is my new way of doing any riches. Just asking ChatGPT. Oh, it's too busy now. Sodium batteries are the future. Why invest in LAC? I think when you start talking about new battery tech, you have to get speculative, right? So fine, if you want to take a, have a speculative bet on some alternative battery tech, that's fine. But it takes what we've learned from LAC over the past decade. It takes an unbelievable amount of time to synthesize new battery tech and to, to mine and get those things done and approved and actually all the way through the supply chain, tested over a long period of time, and eventually scaled out for industry sectors such as automotive. So I think even, is- yeah, even changes in lithium battery tech take a long time to filter their way up through the supply chain and get the technology flushed out, like you're saying. And it, maybe there are better batteries out there, but yeah, scale yeah, lithium I, is the play right now. When I first started doing analysis on lithium, I heard a lot of talk around, oh, it'll be better battery tech that will make lithium obsolete. And I did a lot of research down that road and 
I walked away thinking, okay, none of this stuff is going to pan out for a very long time. I have no concerns about demand for lithium, at least over the next five to 10 years. Yeah. Not a concern for me. Yeah, it's all about testing and scaling supply chain. And it's very difficult when it comes to battery tech. Bottom line here, I have no clue what the macro market is going to do, just like I didn't have a clue a month ago or three months ago. So I'm going to remain partially hedged. I am a little bit nervous about the big tech earnings this week. I just don't have a clue if they're going to be positive or negative. I don't think anybody does. It really depends on the subtleties of those calls. Are there buybacks? Are there headwinds? Are things not as bad as people thought they were going to be? Are are they saving money due to the layoffs? I just have no idea. There's too many factors, too many variables. I'm going to head. I think it's a little of all of that. I think that I think it's a little of all of that. And for me, because of that, long term, I'm going to be in these stocks anyway. So I'm not going to even bother hedging for a short term gain or complete loss of my insurance policy from puts. That that that's fine. I'm going to continue to look for old school social arb trades. There's a handful I'm working on right now. A lot of starts, most of them don't make their way through the funnel to the point where I want to invest in them or talk about them on this show. But working on a lot of things right now. The community, if you guys have anything for us, please share them in the Dumb Money Discord, which is dumbmoney.tv forward slash discord. We have a research and trade channel on the Discord. Uh and also a high conviction report. If you want to have, if you want to write it up in a report and share it, we'd really appreciate it. We, I will go back to saying that if somebody brings us something that I ultimately invest in and think is really good, we used to Venmo out cash like two hundred and fifty bucks, five hundred bucks, a thousand bucks, depending upon the idea. I'll continue to do that, and we'll start doing that again if I see anything in there that I like. That I so please share your thoughts with the community and us. And we have an interesting show later this week, actually. Dave, I forgot about that. Yeah, on Friday, we're going to be talking all about the kind of alternative collectible space, like the alternative asset classes. And we have a special guest. Do we talk about it? Do we reveal it or do we tease it? Yeah, I think we need to tease it because there actually are some alternative investments that I have been looking at that I want to ask him about on Friday's show. We have this. And these aren't NFTs. You're not buying more milking cats, are you? No, they they do but maybe NFTs, a Pokemon no. card or two. No, I'm not. I'm not investing in crypto or NFTs right now. I am looking at a couple uh, collectible card, collectible card investments. I think there's some interesting stuff happening right now in the collectible space, and we have the perfect guest to talk about it. Founder and CEO of Rally wrote. It's called Rally now. It used to be called Rally. This guy sees everything, right? Like they're out there accumulating alternative assets from art to trading cards to sports car sports cars <laughs> to fine whiskeys right and scotches there's just so much i don't know i'm this, invested this in a couple of you an investor in rally i'm an investor in rally yeah early investor in rally and a lot of these alternative collectible assets have come down significantly over the past six to nine months in price so where are there opportunities now? Where did the industry throw the baby out with the bathwater? Those will be some of the questions I think we'll be asking him on Friday because Rally is out there trying to accumulate these assets for Rally that they think will be advantageous. So they have a whole team focused on these asset categories. And I think it's something we don't talk about a lot on this show, but it is an area of investing that 
we should all be aware of at least whether or not we want to participate in it. So that that's coming this you, Friday, something a yeah, little bit. If you guys have any different. questions for the founder and CEO of Rally, go ahead and don't put it in the live chat, put it in the actual comments as soon as those are available for the on the replay because that way we can go through and ask questions from the audience. I think that'll yeah, be Rocket the best mentioned way to handle Batman that. just sold for $2 million. So there are still people spending some easy money on collectible assets. Join us this Friday. And uh, yeah, we'll definitely do a Q&A if you want to ask the founder CEO of Rally some questions this Friday. Is that, a, is that at 12 p.m. Eastern, Dave? It is a 12 Eastern, 11 Central, our normal time, our normal channel. This is one that I thought was really cool. And I think I bought shares of this. This is a copy of the Declaration of Independence from 1776. And I own a small piece of it. Yeah, for those of y'all that don't know what Rally is, they're, they basically are a fractional investment company for alternative assets. So you can buy like $10 worth of a $2 million comic or baseball card or Ferrari or, I don't know, the Constitution. <laughs> what is that thing? <laughs> it's not, I mean, that's just too cool. How could you not, how could you not want to own the Constitution? Pretty cool. Or the I don't know. I think when I think about I, I want to say some of the conversation for Friday, but I think when you think about alternative investments and especially collectible investments, I think it's all about writing the demographic and the trend in like the aging of that demographic, right? Certain people like certain things and when they get certain amounts of money in their career, they're more likely to accumulate those things and the asset prices go up and then they get older and retire and their kids don't want those things. So they crash. So for me, that's how I approach this entire sector is who are the people that are about to turn age, I don't know, 35 or 40 that finally have some excess cash. What are they going to want to buy? And those are the things that are likely to go up in value over the next five years. It's happened in the car market. Wait for the next bubble, too, because these assets tend to just fly when everyone has too much money. (laughs) Totally. Is it scotch? Is it watches? Like, what's the next? There's there's some scotch or whiskey on here, a 40-year-old whiskey that has a a $40,000 market cap? What? Yeah, man. People love their vintage whiskey. I don't understand it, but people, people love that stuff, dude. Wait, so you pay money for the whiskey, but you don't get it. You, you don't just, get it, you but you get to visit whiskey. it in the museum. Yes. Jordan, you get to sell. So what happens is people come in and make buyout offers. And when it sells, then you can profit off of that yeah. as a fractional no, share it. owner. Or yeah. you can sell your fractional shares, I think, once a month. So like once a month, the window opens up for that item. And you could either buy yeah. more shares or sell shares. It's not I've, like I've super got a, liquid. I've got to share this uh, comment. I'm just trying to get enough to live stocks to live on the beach. And Dave is buying the Constitution. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, it was the Declaration of Independence. I know. I got it wrong. I don't. I, I might also okay. own some Constitution. I don't know. Let me answer a couple questions. I still have my Matthew Stafford trading card. I don't think it's doing too well. And then two, I am not interested in NFTs really right this second until a platform comes out that will broadly bring more people to the NFT space and until we fully understand how NFTs are going to play out in terms of utility and functionality for that kind of next wave 
of NFT holders or investors. And I think those are just all question marks. And until I have visibility around that and we have investment platforms to bring more people in and this world gets easier and makes more sense, I'm not investing in NFTs other than maybe a crypto punk here or there if they get cheaper. Yeah, I was just looking to see what the floor price is these days. So for $100,000, you can get a CryptoPunk, Chris, or 105000 for a Bored Ape. Yeah. I'm Those not... have held up better than I thought. That's still dramatically lower from where you're buying them but and where I bought my CryptoPunk. But still, that's better than I thought. If I could sell my yeah, CryptoPunk no, for hundred grand, like $30,000, both of mine. But yeah, I agree. They're lower. But again, I'm not, I'm just not, my head's not there right now. Not with this market where it is. I think there's better opportunities that are liquid financial assets that actually have growth value to them. I prefer to invest in equities. We'll talk about more stocks and more collectibles. Collectibles Friday, for sure. And if you're interested in that, do write your questions out and put it as a, as a chat, not in the chat, in the actual comments on this video. Awesome. Layoffs won't show for three to five months anyway. Three to six months. Employment's, oh, that's always a, a lagging indicator. So I agree. Yeah. It's, I, I it's, think, and it's a number the Fed looks for. So that's the sign that even if inflation starts to dip until it gets to 2%, he's not going to totally pivot and start reducing rates. No. Could we just all agree that nobody knows anything this week? We're just going to have to figure it out when it gets announced. And anyone out there claiming to know what's going to happen with any of these big earnings or how the market's going to react to them or the Fed or consumer behavior or earnings, I think it's just taking a shot at the dark. So just be aware of that. Know what you don't know. That's going to do it for this one. We'll see you Friday. 